0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Areas of Interest, the podcast about undergraduate stories. I'm your host, Ariel.
1: And I am Jay Wade.
0: And welcome to another episode. A few things before we dive right in. Check out our contact info and socials in the show notes if you want to get in touch. Today's guest has an ongoing comic called Thumbles Comic. You can check out the comic on Twitter and Instagram at Thumbles underscore comic. And you can search for the name on Webtoon and Facebook. If you didn't catch all that, then no worries. I will have links to these in the show notes as well. This episode is going to be slightly shortened, so if you would like to listen to the full episode, then please join our Patreon, which will also have a link in the show notes. Please like or subscribe to this podcast if you would like to be notified about future episodes, and if you're feeling very generous today, then I would love it if you left a review for the show. I have a lot more areas of interest to cover in the future, so don't miss out.
2: My name is Nick Weaver. I graduated from North Carolina State University at Raleigh, North Carolina with a degree in communication.
0: All right. And can you tell me a little bit about this area of interest that you went into?
2: Yeah, uh, I wound up in that degree kind of by accident. When I started going to NC State, I had applied for the art studies program with the hope to transfer into their art school, which most people don't know. NC State has a pretty, pretty souped up. Sorry, that's my doorbell. That's okay. (laughs) Um, Has a pretty souped up art school that's difficult to get into and I never managed it after year 2 of trying I was like all right well I'm working at the student paper technician at NC State and I'd been working for the radio for 4 years there I said what's well, something I can you know get out with uh, in 4 years without really screwing up all my progress here and I I noticed that all of my coworkers at the paper were in communication or journalism and I was like okay well most of my credits still apply for communication let's see where this goes And, you know, junior year rolls around and I start taking the specialized courses for that. Uh, My sub focus with my degree was media and broadcasting because I was already really invested in that with the student radio WKNC. And, you know, from there, it just was like lots of calm theory, lots of production classes and, you know, all the gen ed credits that I had to take. Um, But the gist of it is, you know, focusing on how we communicate our forms of media the different theories that we use to inspect communication between different people and uh, different mediums. So like, how does mass media affect the way that we think, affect the way that we digest information? How literate are we with with mass media? Uh, Things of that nature.
0: What were some really cool things you learned in your field that sort of blew your mind or things that you discovered?
2: Well, my absolute favorite class that I took was with a professor named Ryan Hurley. Shout out to him if he somehow hears this. Um, but essentially, he's a, a longtime tenured professor with the communication program. And one of the years that uh, I was you know, studying there for my undergraduate, he got to pick his own course to teach. Basically, create a course from scratch for the communication curriculum. And that course was uh, essentially studies of mass media, mass media literacy. Um and it talked about like the ways that we experience uh, or rather how we study violence in media, uh, the effects of how women are portrayed in media, different social sociological concepts, uh, stuff like social justice and, and the different facets of society as inspected through the lens of how we're digesting and interacting with social media uh, agenda setting, different things about like how we interpret the news and um, yeah, that, that kind of thing in essence. And that, that was one of my favorite courses. So that was, that was a real area of, of interest for me, uh, was, was just that class and all the different things of like, oh man, I had no idea that like the order in which things are, are organized in headlines for, for news really affects how we assess their importance. Right. Jay, do you want to add anything?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm thinking a lot about what he's saying. I I think about The time period in which you went to school is particularly fascinating, right? So you graduated in uh, 2019, right? Two years ago. And so that means you're getting in um, 2015 and you're, 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 you're in communications college during the entire, you know, polarization of the United States and the media at that time was considered like the fourth branch of government. I mean, people can't stop talking about them. So I'm sure that, that, not only were you getting firsthand experience of the power of the media, and you guys are all trying, but you are trying to figure it out together. It's not like this is established history. That was the present. So I think you had a very exciting time to go through, and I'm sure those classrooms were just chock full of a lot of intense feelings and a lot of curious minds, and I'm pretty jealous that you got to go through it at that time in that field. I think it's pretty, I think I would, yeah, I think I'd love a lottery ticket to go and sit through four years of that then. But I'm curious about, um, uh, really, two things are popping in my head, kind of going back to your decision to be in communications. What made you want to go? And what, uh, what parts of your personality and innate um, self really fit in there uh, for those who might want to go themselves, is who I'm thinking about?
2: Okay, so like I said, I kind of stumbled into communication. But the reason I, I decided to stick with it was because once I got in there, The information was valuable. One of the most important things I learned in my entire time in communication studies is that you can't blindly trust any media. You have to be consciously aware of the information you're taking in. The sources you think are good are not perfect. The sources that you think are okay might even be terrible, you know? You have to critically inspect all of the information that you're taking in and not just sit there and passively absorb the news at night, right? I mean, I listen to the New York Times daily podcast every day, right? And in 2015, if I had started doing that, I probably would have gone, well, this news is boring, skip it. Uh, oh, okay, that's it. The headline, that's good enough. But now it's like, well, the New York Times has its own biases, even though I trust it more than something like the you know, Washington Post, which is owned by Amazon, I still have to be cognizant of the fact that, hey, they run opinion pieces from Tom Cotton every once in a while every three weeks they've got a new bad take about something in pop culture that pops up so you know understanding that your media sources even the ones that you trust are not infallible and coming at things with an open mind and also skepticism at the same time um in general you know i didn't see the value of college fully before getting into it um a lot of my mindset when I was coming into communication was, let me get something in four years and get out. The most valuable thing to me is not going to be my program, but my career experience that I get along the way. And in some ways that was really true. Uh, the four years that I did at student media, both as a radio producer, as a graphic designer, as you know, a student media business office person, helping out in all those ways. You learn a lot of valuable sp- skills through experience that way, you gain personal interests but there's a lot of gaps that, of course, professional education and college setting classes are going to teach you. Um, I, I think you don't walk away with facts necessarily. You walk away with a new mindset and a broader, more aware focus of the world around you.
1: Hmm. Um, That's a great point. Yeah, and and, and quick quick follow up to um, I'm guessing if you listen to the daily, you're probably Ezra Klein fan as well
2: oh i i listen to all of it man radio lab this american life okay i I don't listen to ezra klein's personal show but i i love hearing him pop up
1: yeah no i well i was curious because ezra klein is an interesting one the washington post refused to keep him on and um new york times has picked him up in like 2020 uh i think i think it was 2020 might have been even earlier than that but ezra klein's particularly interesting because um he is a reflection of private ownership like Bezos talking bad about Amazon and sort of his own brand of liberal philosophy, mixing, mixing the pot and having to change. And I think the, um, the personal politics of the individual media giants is something that I don't know much about. You probably know a lot more, but I'd love to see a map of like, this is what the New York times and the post, actually, this is who they're owned by. And this is their agenda. And you kind of, I'm sure there's some really cool theories about how the media is presented that, that you know about that I don't because of your education.
2: Oh, there's some. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't quote to you theory off the top of my head, um, but I, I could point you to a graphic that shows here are the six companies that own most of the media landscape in the United States, right? And it's it's up there with like Disney, uh, the the Koch brothers, and and the Murdochs. I mean, you know, it's four or five families that own most of the media in the United States. And while that's not necessarily, like, an indication that all of the media landscape in the United States is poisoned, it does mean that there will occasionally be interference with even the most trusted publications from the highest level. Uh, New York Times, I don't know specifically who owns them, but uh, stuff like CBC, I think... um, specifically radio stations are really bad about this in local news. The CBC, I think, owns about 70% of radio stations and local news uh, in, North America, in the United States. And there's a video that went around on Reddit a while back, which is a great glaring example of what happens when corporate oversight interferes with journalism. Uh, I believe it's the same exact script that got sent out to... Over a thousand local news stations talking about um, this company now owns this. It, it was basically a propaganda message for the company that owned all the local stations and ran them saying like this other company is trying to get in on the media landscape, buy up a whole bunch of stuff. Um, other lo- You can't trust other local radio stations. They're all being poisoned. And it's word for word, the exact same script, kind of praising the corporate ownership of these local stations and denigrating everything that isn't owned by them. But in such a political doublespeak way that you, you aren't necessarily realizing that it's propaganda until you go through and say, wow, there are 40 other videos of this exact same segment, of this exact same script from all CBC-owned radio stations and, and local news stations, parroting the same talking point about this is extremely dangerous towards our democracy. And I'm sure a lot of people saw this because, like I said, huge on Reddit a few years back. But that's one of the things that you can you kind of have to be mindful of. And, and a communication degree teaches you to, to look out for it, you know? Because a big thing in, in communication is the medium is the message. What medium that you use to digest information, your your conduit for that information, will have an effect on how you interpret the information as well as how the information is presented. So we look at streaming versus like a CD. Uh, streaming versus a digital copy even of a game that you're playing. What difference in experience might you be having when you, when you do those two different types of medium, right? Because it's the same product, it's, it's the same game, but the experience is fundamentally different. You might have more bugs, more lag with the streaming version. You might interact with the storefront in a different way. All these little subtleties get baked into the way that you experience something and the medium that you choose for it. So, even if I can't remember a single fact about how the two are different, I know how to think about this concept in a different way than I would have before getting my degree.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. That seems very fundamental to what we should be teaching everyone in, Mm -hmm. in all disciplines. I don't think it happens necessarily. And I think it's interesting too, because I will be frankly, I never thought about the distinction of different mediums. And now that you say it, um, my personal experience to that sort of question, um, CDs is finite. So I expect more of a single-player campaign, maybe, or mm-hmm. uh, an experience that ends right. And maybe even because they're shaped like DVDs and you, you touch them like DVDs, it's it's a finite. You put you put it in, you expect a beginning and an end, and you may well, be disappointed. I'm sorry if to you, interrupt you. Yeah.
2: But before we get too much. Uh, a further example of that that's that's pretty interesting to think about too is like not even just the finite nature of a CD, right? But the fact that once information is baked into a CD, it cannot be changed by the publisher. You play a game that's 20 years old on CD, you put it into your console, everything is going to be exactly the same as it was 20 years ago, assuming you don't, you know, do a digital update. But if you stream a game, the publisher or the developer can change the information at any time. There was a game that came out uh, from Taiwanese publishers, I forget the name of it, that got pulled from Steam because it had pro-Taiwan, pro anti-China messages in it. And the Chinese uh, government said, this game is illegal. You know, don't put it in your store. We'll boycott Steam if you do. Uh, and they pulled it. Now, if that game had been available on streaming, per se, and the company were under pressure from a Chinese investor, or, you know, someone on the back end said, you've got to change this thing, Forget the storefront. We're making you change it. That publisher, if you had been streaming the game, could have changed information in the game—critical parts of the narrative, critical information about the Chinese government—via uh, an update to the game that you would never know about because it's a digital product. It lives online, and the information is malleable.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, that's exactly that's that's exactly what I'm thinking about. Is streaming streaming creates a relationship, and it's funny too because that's the thing that I keep hearing is that. Our new world is one of parasocial relationships with figureheads, you know, um, people we can interact with, you know, like asking a celebrity to sing you yeah, happy birthday or something. So it's all very fascinating to me. That's, uh, that's pretty cool stuff. But yeah, the other follow-ups, I know Errol, uh, has lots of awesome questions to go, but the other one is, um, and this, I'm just picturing somebody who might listen to this, and they go, "Oh wow, I want to learn a little bit more about communications and someone that was in it, and you know all the stuff that we do here." And um, what I'm curious about is, I would think that a person going into communications need to be an extrovert. They need to have, like you do, a really good voice, be articulate. They need to have innate skills that puts them in a position to you know, make movies or broadcast or be a PR head. And I'm curious what you think about that. Do you think personality and innate skills matter um, or not? Or in what ways for those who are just going to be following in your
2: footsteps? I'm I'm going to be a little, uh, I'm going to exaggerate a little bit and say not at all. Asterisk. Um, yes, having innate skills and talents and a good speaking voice and confidence will help you progress more quickly and with a little more ease if you jump into a communication degree. However, they teach you public speaking in those courses and not everything in communication is about public speaking or broadcast or creating media. Um, There are three different focuses that NC state offers for a communication degree. Mine was media and broadcasting. So I had a lot more of those types of courses, Uh, but you can also do event coordination and PR as a focus. Um, So learning how to manage a company's public image learning how to organize events and, you know, all the promotion and stuff that goes into that, that's a different study or a different focus of the, the degree that you could jump into. And you might not necessarily have to do any public speaking in that way. You may not have to do presentations. You could just do research. You could just do fact finding analysis, whatever. Uh, a communi- communication as a degree is extremely flexible. Uh, in fact, what I currently do for a living, uh, Thumbles is just my, my hobby, essentially. What I do for a living really doesn't make use of my degree much. It, it The most valuable thing a degree proves is, is that you've completed four years of higher education. You've done a big project. Uh, employers are most interested to see that. And, and you'll find that, like, most jobs that you apply for that list a communications degree or communication degree will also list, like, four or five other degrees, right? They're, like, communication or communication this or this relevant to the applicable job description. So you can get a lot of places with a communication degree. You don't necessarily have to be good at speaking. And even if you want to get good at speaking, if you if you aren't right now and you're worried about it, you can take a public speaking course as part of the program. I had to. Um, a lot of people do. They teach you little things like loosening up and, you know, confidence in your voice and improv exercises to help you get along with that. So no, I don't think innate skill is 100% necessary. You don't have to have A great voice. You can learn a lot while you're there, but even if that's never going to come naturally to you, there's much more you can do with a communication degree than public speaking.
0: Also, to add to that, there is a nonprofit that you can uh, join called Toastmasters International, and it helps you with public speaking and teaches you skills to uh, practice also in front of other people who may be trying to learn to public speak. So I know that they sometimes, well, with the pandemic, they haven't had a lot of public speaking events, but I'm sure there's still like Zoom events that you can participate in and get some tips and also practice too in front of a bunch of people that are very forgiving, you know, for that kind of uh, new experience for somebody.
2: Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, one of the most essential things for learning a skill like public speaking is just practice. I didn't go into college like an expert public speaker, uh, working in radio for quite, quite some time, really, help me bring out those skills. I mean, this isn't my natural speaking voice at all. It's usually more reserved and kind of known here, but I like, you know, you learn how to to play it up and and what people are listening for. And uh, if you really want to get good at public speaking in general, here's something that you're going to hate, but it's going to help a lot. Record your voice and listen to it over and over and over and over and over again until your fear of it or your distaste for it is dead. That's what happened to me after editing hundreds of hours of my own speaking audio. And you can get there, too, with patience and perseverance.
0: Or you can just, you know, start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to Everyone's overcome that. Everyone's doing it, why that. not? Yeah, I've had to overcome that quite a few times. And uh, I did record my very first episode about five or six times before I got it to the point where I said, ah, screw it. I'll just have to live with the fact that I don't like the way I sound.
2: hmm <laughs> Hey, no one's ever no one's good at everything on their first try.
0: Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you feel like the quality of the degree that you got from the school that you went to was specific to that school? Or do you feel like a communications degree is kind of across the board? You take pretty much the same curriculum or do you feel like the school you went to had really good extracurricular classes or internships that you can get involved in?
2: That's a great question. Um, I, you know, I can't speak to the level of of communication degrees at other schools because I only went to the one. Uh, I'll also mention that if you go to state, they're going to hammer into you 20 million times. It's communication, not communications. Communication is the study of how we speak and, you know, our different forms of media and all that such and such, like I've talked about before, while communications is actually infrastructure technology at state. So that's a, that's a distinction there. But I think I think NC State has an absolutely wonderful communication program with great resources and professors, and the quality of education I received there was great. I think what really makes it stand out are the extracurricular opportunities that you can have. Uh, I, for example, to fulfill one of my credits, I had to take an internship, and over the summer I took a internship at a recording studio and had weekly sessions with the uh, course instructor there. Instructor where I reviewed you know, what I was learning about. They had guest lecturers come in and talk about, here are the things that you know are important for, for knowing in the business world. Um, little stuff like that. You're required to take an internship course if you do communication at NC State. And I think that's a wonderful thing to help you prepare for the real world, to get a taste of what business is like, and also to get that invaluable experience that you're going to want to have coming straight out of college. I, I tell everyone do an internship while you're in college you will not have a better time to work for free and unfortunately that's kind of what you got to do to get the leg up over other people but yeah in in terms of of working you know while you're in college and, and doing that communications degree and getting that extracurricular experience student media is so invaluable i am professionally published because of student media i have two years of graphic design experience because of student media in a professional setting where that, those designs have been published. I learned how to put together newspaper layouts. I learned how to write editorials. I learned uh, you know, how to edit other people's pieces and what the professional standards for journalistic grammar and spellings are. And, and doing radio broadcast, obviously, I learned how to have a radio voice, how to cue up songs over the air, how to create a, a, a set. I personally did public affairs for WKNC for all four years, which is the news program that they run. Uh, We called it Eye on the Triangle. I'm actually wearing my T-shirt for it right now. But, uh, you know, that also gave me some experience with not just regular journalism, but audio journalism and how to edit audio. So, yeah, your courses are super important. Your instructors are super important. But it's also what skills that you go through actively learning while you're in college that are going to help you the most.
0: Yeah, and it seems like NC State, um, it seems like, based on what you just said they have a really good reputation is that is that true do you feel like the reputation um that the school holds is actually true to that that sort of department that you were in
2: i think so um i think that you would be hard-pressed to find as many wonderful resources as nc state has at a lot of other schools now maybe a, a school in the same tier like chapel hill or um not Duke because Duke's way better but yeah <laughs> you know, somewhere around there <laughs> but in
0: that in that um, what is it called research triangle area
2: yeah I mean probably you've got equal competition from the other schools obviously Chapel Hill is a huge journalism school but if you're just going for a general communication program if you want to broaden your worldview if you want to have a million resources available to you I think NC State is a wonderful place I think their communication is great and they have a graduate level that you can go into that is incredibly well esteemed and has like its own thing, like its, it's own big school. So if you are looking to do not only undergrad communication, but uh, graduate level communication, I think NC State's a great place to do it.
0: That's awesome. And I think we kind of covered a few of the next question I'm about to ask but did you discover any misconceptions about the field I mean you already clarified the difference between communication and communications but is there anything else that you found out about the the degree or the curriculum that you didn't know going in or that you had a misconception about
2: Mm. well barring some of what we talked about already um I, I I think jay wade brought up a pretty good point of of there's a lot of philosophy involved in what i've been talking about and that's a a big misconception that a lot of people have going into college in general is what am i going to use philosophy for you know why do i have to take this one credit but you once you become familiar with it you notice oh hey there's a lot of philosophical talk popping up in these other majors like communication has a lot of philosophical talk what are words how is language constructed what qualifies as a message what is uh you know The effect of a medium on what you're saying. These ideas without concrete answers come up a lot and combining them with factual research and and study is a lot of of communication, right? Is combining your concepts, the theoretical lenses that you use to analyze language and rhetoric, and combining research and study with that to make a definitive statement through research or You know, whatever you're going into. Obviously, if you don't want to go the academic route and and go into study for the rest of your life, maybe that doesn't come up as much. But the information that you receive from it, uh, philosophy is going to be bouncing around a lot in there. You know, Um, I think most people don't really have the clearest idea of what communication as a degree is before going into it. And that was a, a definite issue for me. I thought, oh, God, I'm never going to go into communication. That's a worthless liberal arts degree. And then, you know, four years later, here I am. And it's been a very wonderful asset to have. Um, if I were to do it all again, would I choose a different degree? I don't know. Time travel's weird. I don't want to affect too much in the future. But, y- you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you got to go in with an open mind. It's maybe not what you're expecting, I guess.
0: Hmm. That's a really good point. Jay, did you want to add anything?
2: Yeah, no worries. So I just wanted
1: to share a little bit. Um, I thought you'd find it interesting. So we... We talked about broadcasting in the first part, you know, since we're podcasters and um, that's pretty interesting and you're creatively expressing yourself through some pretty awesome comics. I I read some of them uh, as we started the show, just kind of looking at them. I thought they were pretty good but um warms my heart to hear that yeah no I mean yeah
0: they're super funny you got you got
1: bad talent I mean you could see it (laughs) you kind of feel it but uh thank you but yeah so but I think the PR part is pretty interesting because I had no intention of ever going into PR and uh just just never really thought much about it and then when I did think about something like event planning I thought man I could do it just you just got to have the cojones to call all the people and tell them to come to your party or whatever it is you're doing. And that is so not true. If you are like me and you think event planning is easy, I implore you to actually plan an event. So recently, for my job, I had to plan one. I worked very closely with marketing and uh, and PR. And I tell you, when you have set goals, how many people you want to show up, how many people you want to click on links to pre-register, when you have to figure out what, you know, what channels you want to communicate to people through and how you want to communicate and what frequency do you email them and you're working with other companies and you're collaborating and they have their own goals and metrics and expectations and message and ideas. It can become a full time job just to get people together for a virtual event for three hours. Um, so I, I tell you that. Um I would have loved to take some of those classes on that track because I did do that recently. It was probably three months from the the moment we initiated our communications plan to the actual event in which I was hosting a panel on it. And man, a good PR person to assist you in that or to to do that for you is worth their weight in gold. And I have had, other PR partners throughout my career. And I will tell you, a good one can can make or break a company, can make or break a brand, a project, an idea. And I, you know, I mean, we think about how many trademarks exist in our brain. And I knew this from my law life too. You know, there's only there's only so many room for so many figureheads and for so many trademarks. You could probably name like fifty. Most of them for us are like fast food companies, like when we think of brands. And it's because of very talented uh, PR and communication people who have put that out. And so I just kind of wanted to put that plug in too, Nick and just say that from that side of the field, I know about it professionally, even though I don't know about it academically and I know how hard it is to do that. Uh, and what a crazy skill that is.
2: Yeah. And, and to that point, Uh, you know, it seems easy to do a lot of careers before you actually get into them, right? I mean, every time I think about starting a new hobby, it's because I look up something and I say, ah, that looks easy enough. Let's do it. It's (laughs) easy. Yeah, it's easy to start something. It's easy to keep going with it. If you got the tenacity, it is not easy to do something well. And I think a lot of your degree is learning how to do something well, as opposed to just doing it. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah, I buy that. I think that's right.
0: Uh, Nick so when you were a little kid did you have big dreams of going into communication
2: yeah like I said I started out trying to get into art school at State and then eventually swapped in because a lot of my coworkers at technician the student paper were in communication or journalism and I realized that I could transfer over my credits to that program and still get out in time but so are
0: you saying that if you want to be an artist just go into communication no
2: <laughs> no because they always
0: you... say don't get an art degree <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, okay, I, I don't have an art degree, so I can't tell you not to get an art degree, but I can tell you that the most valuable thing you could do if you want to get into art is practice every single damn day. Practice, practice, practice until your arms hurt and then until they don't hurt anymore. Yeah, every, every discipline like that, comics, radio, whatever, if you perform, if you create, you need to do it a whole lot. You can know the basics, you can know the framework, but you need to do it just a lot.
0: And... Jay, did you want to add anything before I move on?
2: No,
1: honestly, you guys are going to get kicked out of this. I was reading more comics, so they—they are—they—they are—they are, they are, they are good. No, I mean, I just think, um, yeah, I mean, they're very—they are very good. Um, and I just think—I don't know—I think it's interesting that you uh, took the plunge. A lot of people want to be creative. A lot of people want to make podcasting is. For me, a way to connect to other people, that's the important part of my creativity. You know, in an alternate life, I wanted to be a therapist so that I could connect with people and help them with that kind of stuff. Uh, and in my real life, you know, I do charity work and I did law. so Connecting to people, even as clients, when you represent them in a courtroom, I mean, it's a—it's uh, rewarding and it's cool, but, but this is different. This is connecting to people, but also when you make a piece of art, you know what they say, you make the art, it's for you, but then the public gets it and then they do what they want with it. And uh, that's kind of where you're at Look like, with these comics. I mean, people can critique it and change it and follow it and model it. And your characters can become their characters. And so what do you, uh, What do you have any dreams? Like, do you hope it gets big or do you hope it stays the same? Or like, what do you want? What do you want from an artist's point of view? Because we talked a lot about your calm side
2: yeah a little side tangent is like when the public gets their hands on it how they interpret it one of the things that I keep seeing and I don't know why why in hell people think this but I constantly get comments where people think that the main character is a cat and I I cannot tell you how they get that impression because I don't understand it myself at all maybe I don't see, either
0: it does not look like a cat to me whatsoever
2: yeah maybe they see the little hair lick and they go <laughs> oh. if anything
0: it might be like a narwhal at a stretch but to me it just looks like a little kid
2: yeah, I mean, he he's just meant to be a stand-in for, you know, whatever. Yeah,
0: um, he just has... Is that like the little hair flip in the front?
2: Yeah, it's a little hair flip and he's wearing a fez. That's, yeah. that's
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a fez cap, yeah.
2: Yeah, but in terms of my goal for the comic, what I want to happen to it, um, I don't foresee myself ever, you know, making my full income off of this comic. I, I think maybe five, six years ago that would have been possible. But, you know, we're not in a market right now where comics are, are massively in demand in web strip format. Um, eventually, you know, where I'll consider myself done, I think, with this project and, and move on to something else is once my following hits like a certain point and I'm like, okay, we're consistently getting like a couple hundred likes, maybe a thousand on each comic or, you know, this many followers and then, you know, the ultimate point of either monetization or just like the, the piece de resistance of the whole thing would be to put out a published book of, of you know, collected comics after I've got quite a few of them and uh, a cohesive enough style. That would be Put great. Put in hardback. Yeah, like us, the Far Side, cover. right? Yeah. Like Far yeah. Side, like strange Watterson. Yeah. 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 Or Jim KB or a bunch of others. No, that'd be
1: sick. I'd um, get that book for sure. Just because now I've connected with you and I've seen that and I could just have that be like, man, here we go. Somebody really, yeah. I wonder how long how long do you yeah, think it would take can I to get do your that?
2: Uh, can I get your credit card information for? A few <laughs> yeah, like,
0: and the and the three digits on the back. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah very
2: important. <laughs> how long
0: would I'm sure all the I'm sure all the listeners would like to know your credit card.
2: Information.
1: <laughs> I mean, I ain't got that much money, so the first listener's is going to win. when they get their pizza? You've got a
0: two. You've got a two hundred dollar
1: max. They're <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not going to be super excited. But no, how long do you think it would take uh, to do something like that? Is that a uh, five year, ten year, twenty? one
2: well if i keep going at my my current rate we're getting 52 comics a year uh, so i'd like mm-hmm. to up my my output a little bit um my my goal is to sit down one weekend and make five or six uh just bang out a bunch in advance so i can have like two a week for a while and then you know eventually i get comfortable enough with my program and my workflow and my illustration style that i can just pump them out on either a daily or, or semi-weekly basis mm-hmm. um do you work it, with it's anyone gonna, else to help was, nope it's all me That's a lot. (laughs) I sometimes ask my roommate to copy edit. Uh, Shout out to Sam. Which, funny enough, the reason I started doing the comics in the first place is because, you know, 2020 hits. We're in November and I'm at the most depressed I've ever been in my life. And my roommate's like, you like doing creative stuff. You haven't been doing it in a while. I I miss the comics you used to do in college for the paper. I had a different strip then called the I Don't Even Know, which was just college themed, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But he liked those and they had a a fun little audience of my friends. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make another comic. We'll see how far this gets me. And I haven't missed a week since. And it's been kind of a, a little lifeline.
0: All right. So um, when you were in classes or, or going through the curriculum, did you ever encounter any super difficult things? Or did you ever experience a time where it got so hard that you felt like quitting?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think every major has at least one class designed to weed out people who aren't serious. And Organic chemistry for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. at state that class is com 200 or 250, which are the same class just at different I don't know why they separate it with two different numbers, but it's the same class. I had to take it online and the professor who teaches it is this old crusty jerk who has tas that hate themselves and everyone else. Um, and the homework assignments and tests were just unbelievably difficult. I mean, you look you read the book, and you go, This isn't that that tough. Why, why are these questions so difficult? Why are these essays so difficult? Why am I getting a B minus on a paper that was judged as perfect almost? Like, you know, that class was tough. And I complained about it with every single one of my friends in the same major, and they all had the same complaints. So, like, yeah, that's that's at least one class where I was like, Am I gonna stick with this? Do I bother? Um, but I, you know, I don't want to call it calm an easy major, because it's not. You you can struggle with it. But it's not the same kind of rigor as something like um, electrochemistry or, you know, mechanical engineering. It's a lot of uh, essays and and rephrasing information as opposed to memorizing theories and or memorizing um, statistics and and factual data from like experiments and such.
0: So, Nick, did you have any help navigating the college experience or were you kind of on your own?
2: Yeah, I had help. Um, Obviously, my parents did what they could. Uh, You know, they're 40, 50 years removed from that experience. Uh, Well, not 50, but, you know, it's been a long time for them. So they weren't able to help me out with everything. But, you know, they did the the financial aid and stuff for classes and such for navigating, you know, what credits to take for getting through all of it. We had counselors at state for the college that we were in. Uh, I started off with one and then moved to another once I switched majors. But, you know, they were both helpful. Uh, The second one was much more helpful. And, uh, you know, you work out what, what classes to take and all that. And they have tutoring services. I never had to take advantage of that personally. Um, I, I, I kind of coasted for a lot of a lot of college because I was one of those smart kids growing up that didn't try too hard. And then that bit me in the ass when I got my first real job. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, counselors, obviously, they tell you what courses to take. They recommend stuff that might be good for you based on your career interests And a great thing that NC State has, uh, especially when you're about to graduate, is that they have the Career Development Center, with the unfortunate abbreviation of CDC, and you can go there and schedule an appointment for a mock interview, or have them mark up your resume and point out ways that you can fix it and adjust it and tailor it for whatever field you're applying for. Um, And those were very helpful things. Um, Did you take it personally? like academic... The feedback on my resume? Yeah, because
1: I always do. Every time. It always hurts. It's like they're attacking
2: me. <laughs> not not too personally. Yeah. There were a few things where I was like, that's an annoying little nitpick. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of it was helpful. And uh, Oh, it's definitely worth I, it. I actually didn't. Yeah. I actually didn't get too much feedback on mine because I had gone through four or five resume drafts before I took it in to get critiqued. But they taught me some interesting stuff. Like, don't end your uh, your bullet points when you're describing like your duties for a job with a period. Uh, or if you do do it consistently color color is optional but it helps a resume stand out uh stuff like that
0: Yeah, I only use one accent color. I try not to overdo my resume too much.
2: Yeah, I use green and gray on my resume. It's a custom I design do too. template. Awesome. Yeah, it's a very <laughs>
0: it's a very calming color. I don't use like a I use like a light very like nature green, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, black and blue. Black and blue.
1: That's, and blue. <laughs> that's <laughs> probably the military in me. That's like I was gonna the, say. That's probably the a, in law yeah. too. I mean, you can't. You can only have black and blue, or the judge will pass out. That's that's how judges go to heaven. Well, <laughs> well, I designed
2: and, and, uh, I designed a resume template for a friend of mine that used all red and white and black because she was applying for a job in Raleigh, and she also went to state. Uh, and she says that she thinks that that resume got her the job. So. Looking pretty good over here. That's very cool.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So do you have any helpful tips for somebody who's going through college? Uh, It can be anything from like dorm room life or interview tips. You gave some resume tips just now. But do you have any any more tips that you have?
2: Yeah. I'll restate this one. Get an internship. Get work experience while you're in college. It's going to be really, really difficult to get it once you're out. Uh, do everything that you can right now do extracurriculars go join the radio station find a student organization that reflects what career you're trying to go into and get experience through that meet as many people as you can study eat well sleep well and have a good time you know get out there and have fun go to parties and stuff don't take it too seriously Uh, part of college is broadening your worldview and you can't get all of that from books so run the full gamut, get a job, do your studies, do all the stuff, take time to relax as well. And if that sounds like it's going to be really difficult, it is, but it's not going to be as hard as you think once you do it.
0: That's great advice. Yeah. And also rely on the people around you to vent (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because Mm -hmm. you are not the only one going through this, this crappy experience. And, uh, they might be able to help you or they might uh, have some insight into how to get an internship. I had yeah. somebody ask me because I was able to get a lot of internships while and working at the, the college that I was attending. And they said, how do you get all these internships? You have so much experience. And I said, I take an interest in my professors and I let them know that I am available to work and what my goal is. And they will let me know when something comes up. Mm-hmm. And if you never talk to your professor, if they don't even know you're – let's say, okay, they know your name because you've got to take attendance, but they don't know you as a person, they're not going to look out for you. You know, you have to make yourself known and heard.
2: Yeah, that's a great point too because professors can give you recommendations. They can uh, like literally write a letter of recommendation for a job or an internship and serve as, you know, a valuable asset in that way. And, and to that point as well, uh, I would say, uh, one, bitching is a group activity. It's, it's a communal resource. Do it together, have fun with it. Um, you know, oh man, I had another thing I was going to say but I totally forgot it. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. I got it. Sorry. Um, for state specifically, uh you are going to want to Oh my gosh. If you're going into academia, if you want to do research, uh talk to your professors and ask them if they'd be interested in helping you do undergraduate research if you uh if you have time or you can. I, one of my biggest regrets in college is Dr. Hurley. Again, <laughs> once I, I, I offered to him an idea about a study, I said, why doesn't anyone study violence in media from the perspective of filmmakers? Obviously, filmmakers can, you know, decide how to choreograph a scene and, and how to film it and how to show it to be either extremely violent and hard to watch or not so hard uh, to watch, you know, less violent, less gory, less, you know, guttural um so trying to understand violence from that perspective and create a scale using film techniques was my idea and he said do you want to write that paper with me and i said oh gosh i don't know if i have any use for doing that and uh let that opportunity slide boy it would have been real cool to have a published research paper with my name on it before graduating college but i didn't do it so if you get that opportunity go for it see how it goes
0: That's Yeah, that's a great story. And uh, the research always tends to be not the best position. It kind of sucks. But again, getting your name on that paper is worth it in the end. To be able to point to something and attach it to your resume and say, I helped with this project in uh, answering a question that is important to this field of research is going to most likely get you that callback.
2: And for state specifically, you can apply for funding for undergraduate research. So if you have something broader that's going to take like a lot of time and energy, uh, you can apply to get you know funding through the undergraduate research program.
1: Amber's doing one right now. That's, um, that's my wife's name, who's a professor. She is um, She's doing one right now. And one of the things that she talks about, and I've heard her talk to other professors about this, when they are working with a student of any kind, Uh, And This this might even be another PhD. They always take into account your level of experience. So if uh, you're an undergrad, right, and you're working with a professor, they will know what you don't know for the most part. They'll be pretty aware that you're not probably broadly versed in research methods. So they can help you facilitate that stuff. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely, I think I would second what Nick says. And if uh, that's something you're interested in, they will work you. Um, but they also will develop you and a good professor who's, you know, putting you on a paper, will put your name as high up as possible so you can get that recognition. And, and I second that they will also write recommendations. Amber has done that for internships, for other colleges. Um, and that can give you the edge. Um, when, for example, going into law school, if you've done something with a professor, yeah. And you want to go, they'll hook you up.
2: Yeah. In summary, reach out, be aware of your resources.
0: Well, are there any things you would have done differently if you could? I mean, besides taking that opportunity that came up, is there any other, like, I don't know, uh, did you did you live on campus for any time?
2: Yeah, I lived on campus for the first two years, uh, first year in like a, a further out dorm where you had one bathroom shared by two people instead of suite style. And that was pretty cool. Um, but the downside of that was I didn't really get the communal suite experience at any point in college. Cause the second year I moved into like nicer, uh, on campus apartments and didn't have any roommates. And while they were still college living, uh, I didn't get like one roommate until my second semester. And he was awesome. He gave me free beer and he chilled out by himself a lot, but you know, I didn't understand what it was like to have like neighbors that you talk to, to have like a friend group based around where you're living in college. Um, so I mean, you know, reach out to the people around you, be more social than I was, in terms of like doing stuff on campus, I think I did a pretty darn good job. I, I joined all those uh, organizations that I mentioned and a few more that I haven't talked about. so that was that was pretty fun. Uh, I recommend doing the same.
0: Did you make a lot of friends in college that you still keep in contact with now in terms of like maybe not so much networking but just on a more personal level?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, my current like best friends that I, I keep in touch with all the time, first of all, one of my roommates uh, I met through the student paper and through a literature class my freshman year. And we stayed friends this whole time. We've been living together for two years now. Uh, another one of my friends I met through a club called Wolf Tracks. Where we're promoting independent artists on campus. Um, and like a lot of my extended friend group is through the student paper, through the radio station. My closest personal friend, one of them anyways, uh, is somebody that I met as my co-host for Eye on the Triangle, the news program I did for the radio. So Joining student organizations, talking to people, great way to meet friends.
0: Hmm. Okay. And do you do you plan to pursue a higher level of education, like a master's or a PhD? I mean, you mentioned that they have a great PhD program, but do you think you're just going to try to take your degree, what you have already, and, and see where it takes you? Or are you interested in becoming a professor or in academia?
2: I've thought about it. I've thought about what kind of opportunities a master's or PhD would offer me if I were to do it with communication. And ultimately, I don't think, uh, you know, I think a grad degree for communication is probably going to enable you mostly to do research, to be in academia. Obviously, there's probably some possibilities I'm not aware of there. But if I were to go back to graduate school, I think I'd look into uh, some sort of journalism degree or, or something that would enable me to, to be more socially active, more um, Tie into my work with the comic and, and creative work, essentially. Instead of just kind of building off of what I already have, that's a nice thing you can do. Is you can go into a different grad program from what you did for undergrad, uh, as long as it's somewhat compatible. Yeah,
0: hey, you can research comics.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can marry the two: the the passion and the academia route. You know, you can look at some niche, uh, maybe psychological or um, you know demographic influence through comics
2: (laughs) yeah i'll publish a research paper called the effects of replacing every bit of dialogue in your comic strip with the word but
0: yeah you know it's got to be drier than that it's got to be the title's got to be a lot longer too
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then
0: you have a colon and then the title keeps going (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. and then the abstract is like six pages long
0: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly
2: you're 23
1: is that what i heard yeah Ariel, I'll take this bet any day. He's going to grad school. He might not do it for ten years, but he's he's gonna go. He's too smart. Twenty three, yeah, you're gonna go to grad school. I would say too. I got a buddy of mine. Um, he's an executive at Johnson and Johnson, and I mean he he's already done his grad school, and he didn't go PhD, but uh, he's pretty chill, and he's doing his he's doing this this time. He's doing grad school. He doesn't really want the like school experience, so he's just doing it online the johnson johnson's funding it and helping him out it's going to be relevant to his position i think it's pr or maybe it's public policy anyway nonetheless um it's really cool about grad school especially at the master's level you you can incorporate it in your career if your employer works well and if you're all right with doing it online so that's kind of a fun alternative you uh you can check out
2: yeah well, i, I- think- Well, I was going to just finish off there. I I think primarily the reason I'd say I'm not planning on going to grad school in the future is because I've gotten really lucky with my current uh, full-time career and new opportunities have opened up to me to do creative work like video editing and uh, voiceover and audio editing. So I'm sticking with this company for a while and hopefully it'll lead to more creative opportunities in the future or I might land a career as a graphic designer full-time for another company. Uh, you don't always have to have like extreme educational experience to get those higher level positions you want. So, Oh, that's definitely know, true. Well, I'm that's why I that brought that up option. the
1: guy. I don't think the guy needs the masters. That's what I mean. He, he just got bored and he is, I think he's, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think he's very similar. He did all his education before he was 25 and he's a little older than me. I'm 33. He's probably close to 40 and yeah. Um, he, he's got a, a a kid now, so that's what I mean. It, and I asked him kind of what the driver was, and he's like, "Well, it's relevant to the new position. The company supports it. It's online, so it's easy." But on top of all that, I just missed, missed it. I missed, you know, coordinating with people to solve academic problems. And so, yeah, that's why my money would be that at some point you may get the the itch again. But yeah, I'm glad you have lots of really cool opportunities, and you're a testament to the listeners that uh, they they need to. Seek the opportunities first and let the education part of it, I think, synergize with their wants and not be something they feel like they have to do.
2: Oh, and this feels critical for me to mention because I didn't realize this until after I graduated. The greatest resource that college offers you is that you are constantly surrounded by people in your peer and age group. And you will not have that opportunity again once you graduate unless you find a specific organization or interest that you can create a community around or join a community around. Uh, college is just a fantastic social resource that you should take every advantage of while you have the opportunity
0: um so you mentioned that your current uh means of making money is not tied to your degree are you able to talk about that a little bit or do you feel like the comic is mainly what you use your degree for
2: well, uh, I, I can talk about my current job a little bit. Um, a lot of it is... You don't have to go
0: into specifics. You can yeah. just go into the industry if you want.
2: It's it's a very niche industry. And I happened upon this job out of sheer luck. One of the classes I took in college was video production. And one of my classmates went on to get a job as a recruiter. Um, and just so happened that this company that I'm currently working at was using her recruitment company. And she sent an email to the professor of the class who said, you know, hey, Stacy's recruiting for this job. Uh, it's, they want creative people who are skilled with technology and have copy editing experience. And I said, that's me. Um, so I sent in my, my application and had the job like two weeks later. Uh, and then I got my roommate the job, but what I do is essentially corporate training. We teach people how to use ERP systems, which are enterprise resource planning systems. Uh, and we create simulated walkthroughs of the, the software that these ERPs use or are rather Uh, And how to navigate them, how to do different processes in them, different documentation. Uh, But I've also recently, I picked up a ton of responsibilities in this job. I also do video editing for them, quality assurance, uh, basic copy editing, some uh, resource management. And, you know, a little bit of everything here and there. Communication with this job has been most useful in understanding how to talk to my coworkers and how to get along in an office environment which I had a job before this one uh, for the first six months out of college that I did not last long at because I was still immature. I didn't understand what the working world was going to be like. And I didn't know how to get along with my coworkers there because there was a a weird environment that I won't get into. But yeah, I mean, knowing how to talk to people, knowing the different types types of personalities that you're going to encounter. These are things that businesses will often invest in corporate training for their employees to be able to go into to learn. Like my current company finances four hour trainings for stuff like presenting or uh understanding different personality types in the office whether you're a dominant uh a planner a conscientious or whatever i can't remember all the ones it's like disc training um but yeah i that's that's my current job in a nutshell and it's not a passion uh but i i am enjoying aspects of it and i'm hoping to move into some more full time work in that same company that's more geared to more towards my interests um uh, yeah.
0: Awesome. So that pays the bills, and then the comics feeds your interest.
2: Yep. The comics give me something to do outside of work, give me a weekly project to turn to, and they're just fun.
0: Yeah, they're super fun. And I can imagine, like, especially doing a comic, You know, it, it's funny, and I'm sure it brings you a lot of joy. And this pandemic has been such a bad time for everyone <sighs> that I'm sure this is like a very personal outlet for you to get out some of that. Um, ill feelings in the world and, and just bring a little bit of joy to everybody else and make them laugh.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tragedy in the world right now and the number one way I know how to get over that is to point at it and laugh. Uh, to, to find something funny in the tragedy and, and make fun of it. To toss shots at the people who are causing it. And this comic, I mean, it gives me something every week to look at and say, I have this to do and then after I'm done with it, it's something that I could say, I accomplished this every week.
0: Do you do you have any like funny college stories when you were in college that you can recollect, or was it pretty much just regular shenanigans that you guys were up to?
2: Listen, I have a lot of funny stories. I don't know how many I can tell. <laughs> uh, how
0: what how how much trouble did you get into?
2: <laughs> well, getting in trouble requires getting caught. Um, I- I'll tell you this one, which is still kind of out there, but a little bit more tame. Uh, I had a couple of friends my sophomore year while I was working at the radio station who were super hipstery and didn't like play video games or stay inside much. They their idea of entertainment was going out and doing stuff, going to local house shows, which we did a lot. Like for every two weeks my sophomore year, we would go out to this place called the Kosher Hut, which was a one bed, like one room house next to the main street that NC State is on where four guys who were in their thirties had a band and were renting the place out and would do shows every week with local bands. And I would drink a bottle of wine in two hours and be absolutely blitzed. <laughs> uh, there was one night in particular where there weren't any shows going on. It was the middle of winter and we had all gone out and gotten booze. Uh, I'd gotten a bottle of wine. Some people had gotten like beers and stuff. And it was just the, the four of us and or the three of us and one other person that we had brought along. And two hours before we had gotten together, one of them said, Hey, why don't we create a scavenger hunt for each other? I was like, what? She said, we'll hide items, we'll create clues, and then we'll all get together and search for them together. So, all right. And the whole time we're doing this, every time we find a clue, we take a shot of rum. Uh, And the whole time I'm drinking this bottle of wine, we got these little tiny plastic Irish party hats that are strapped on our heads, wearing these giant parkas and such. It looks ridiculous. I'm blitzed out of my mind. One of the objects was hidden on the NC State sign. Uh, Like, there's this giant... 15 20 foot long sign that's right at the start of nc state's campus that says welcome to nc state or something like that uh and it's covered in snow it's dark out and we're about 75 percent away through the scavenger hunt i'm very drunk and i have to pee my friends go down to one side of the sign i say hey uh pee and they're like okay well ryan's apartment is over there before they can finish that sentence i'm pissing on the sign while traffic is passing
0: Well, at least you didn't piss your pants.
2: Nah, nah. But yeah, you know, one plus out of that story is I now own NC State. It's my territory now. Yeah.
0: Unless another dog came by and marked it.
2: You calling me a dog?
0: No, no. <laughs> hey, what is the mascot for NC State? Wolfpack. Is it a is it a dog? Okay, well there you go. You're a wolf.
2: I'm a wolf. Round. <laughs> wow.
0: That's great. So did you ever get the clue that was on top of the sign? I don't or remember the, what the, the clue
2: was. I'm sure we got it. I don't remember it. <laughs> You're like somebody ended, else got it. I ended that night throwing up red wine <laughs> in the same say, toilet like, as another. Friend I was rum. gonna say when you said.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say when you said that you drank a bottle of wine in two hours. I was thinking that's got to be terrible to throw up. It out of is. all the things to throw up, like beer is very carbonated. You know, it it mixes well.
2: Red wine is the second worst thing I've ever thrown up. The first is is Guinness.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, Guinness. Yeah, I, like I the, the, the dark Guinness.
2: Oh, yeah. Or Jaeger bombs.
1: Irish car bombs. I that's hate... Guinness. Half a glass of Guinness with a shot of Jameson and Bailey's dropped in. And I, that's my favorite uh, drink. And I, I went and said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have six or seven of them. And then all of a sudden, you just paint the streets with yourself, you know?
2: Yep.
0: Yeah, well, that is quite the funny story. Uh, who won do you know or were you blacked out so you
2: I wasn't (laughs) blacked out I think we stopped before we ever finished finding all of the clues like the two guys were the most drunk out of all of us we're throwing up in the same toilet myself included while the two girls were just in the kitchen having a nice little lovely chat
0: (laughs) (laughs) they had their they had it together
2: (laughs) yeah they had it together
0: (laughs) they were drinking white wine that's why yeah (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and and spending like two hours of your weekend yeah, with absolutely. us. Yeah, absolutely, it's been a blast. Yeah, thank you so much, and we are definitely going to enjoy your comics from here on out. Oh yeah, <laughs> thank no, you
2: definitely. so much. I, I followed. Can I can I retweet? And... Oh please do retweet, yeah. comment, like, share, everything helps.
0: Yeah, I saw some of the other stuff you were retweeting, and I was like, damn, that's hella funny. <laughs> like the the one where it's uh, you retweeted one thing where they were practicing for their trip to italy and it was like the thing that cuffs around your fingers to make the i don't even know what that's called what is that called hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> i always whenever people do that i always think there's about to be a curse word that's about to come out of their mouth yeah so we're definitely going to enjoy those i need some comedy in my life right now especially during these dark times
2: <laughs> welcome aboard <laughs> so.
0: Yes, thank you so much. And uh, if you ever want to talk about animal comedy, just hit me up and I'll give you some ideas.
2: Absolutely.
0: Cicadas are really popular right now in terms of like comedy with, I guess everybody knows now that cicadas just sit in a tree and scream all day. So
2: Yeah,
0: for um, 17 yeah. hours and then they're dead. Yeah, I might send you some uh, animal comics that I have personally saved that I revisit every now and then when I'm oh, feeling really do. crappy. Um, there's like one where it's a goose. And this guy's just walking by and the goose says, what's in the bag? And you see the guy's face and he looks concerned. And then the goose starts chasing him and yelling, what's in the bag? And because I think it's funny because geese always chase Mm -hmm. you for no reason. So it kind of gives it a little bit of context.
2: (laughs) Oh, my favorite animal comic. Shout out to my boy Pierre Mortal on Twitter and uh, Instagram. He's got a comic where an old man is feeding bread to the ducks at the pond. And the ducks like quack for a second. And then they get up out of the water. These giant buff men. And and they got this tiny little duck head, and they say, "You have fed us, mortal. You will be spared in the uprising."
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love that. That's again, like you said, you can take an animal and make it do something it's not supposed to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we don't want to take up any more of your time. So, again, thank you so much, and we hope you take up as much time as
2: you want. You guys want to go get lunch. (laughs)
0: I know, right? Well, how about we meet midway in, like, Nebraska?
2: Yeah, let's hop over to a Denny's. <laughs> yeah. I would eat Denny's. We'll
0: do a truck truck stop Denny's.
2: Exactly, exactly. The best kind.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. We have this place called Black Bear Diner here that's supposedly really good.
2: Ooh. All right. Treat me, treat me when I come up.
0: <laughs> yeah, when you come to California. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, All thank right. y'all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. It's Have been a, a good pleasure, day. Nick. You too. Thank you so much, Nick, for sharing your story with us. And we had a great time doing this interview together. We had some audio issues, which caused editing to delay this episode from coming out on time. So I do apologize for that. You can check out Thumble's comics in the links that I will provide in the show notes. And there are quite a few that he recently did for Inktober, but he's currently taking a hiatus right now to take a little bit of a break. Inktober is where you pull out a comic or any artwork every day of the month of October. So that is 31 fresh comics that he just came out with. So he has been working his butt off. Thank you to Kevin MacLeod for making your content free to use for indie podcasters like myself. You can find a link to his website where I get the intro and outro music for this podcast. And since you know that I do not like goodbyes, I wanted to ask, have you ever heard the funny joke about Beethoven? Well, he didn't either. All right. Have a good night. That's all.